Hello, Jimmy Bonds here and welcome to the Episodes Podcast, where we interview educators from around the world and discuss innovation in education, education technology, and share stories from the world of teaching and learning in a digital age. Today, I'm discussing the topic of teaching remotely and how to work from home effectively. If you are an educator who is new to remote working, you are likely to be experiencing a certain learning curve right now. As many of us are still operating under lockdown circumstances, it is helpful to share guidance and tips about how to be productive as possible, but also how to communicate effectively and look after ourselves in these isolated times, especially while we're also trying to teach effectively from a distance. In today's show, I'm speaking with Chris Higgins. Chris has taught humanities, ESL and special education for the last 12 years and has a wealth of experience in both international and independent schools. Before joining EP, he was a head of department at a large co-educational independent school in Melbourne. In 2018, Chris and his colleague were finalists in the Australian Education Awards for Curriculum Innovation. He was central in developing and implementing a new cross-curricular program for middle school, which incorporated 21st century skills, innovative technologies, and a range of pedagogies. He has also insisted on trialing new and innovative ways of engaging students and believes that learning should be a place that fosters curiosity and passion. Chris is an incredible conversationalist. He is very entertaining to talk to. And as you will find out, he has some very sage advice and good wisdom to offer us in these strange times. Without further ado, I give you Chris Higgins. Chris, how's it going? How are you? I'm very well, Jimmy. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm absolutely delighted to be talking to you on this fine, sunny Auckland evening. And uh, obviously, there are very strange circumstances surrounding this conversation. But I think what's come out of it is that people are connecting a bit more and talking to each other a bit more. And on that note, I'm just delighted to ask you a few questions and, and get you to share your wisdom and experience with our listeners. So can you just briefly... Uh, we know each other. We're colleagues, obviously. <laughs> but can you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a small bit about who you are? Absolutely. So um, hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Chris Higgins. I am the global head of the humanities content here at Education Perfect. And before that, I was a teacher of humanities for the last 11 years. Uh, Travelled a fair bit. So I started off my teaching career in Scotland, where I'm originally from. And you can probably hear that in my accent. Oh, yeah. Although my family like to think it sounds Australian now and that I have that <laughs> upwards inflection where, where everything sounds like a question. Um, and eventually traveled to Southeast Asia, to Thailand, Vietnam, China, spent a couple of years there, uh, reincarnated myself as an ESL teacher for a while, uh, and then eventually made my way to Australia, where I taught humanities for the last six years, became the head of department at a school down in Melbourne, uh, eventually decided I wanted to try and have a bit more of an impact in the classroom, and saw the job with EP and signed up. Uh, with this wonderful company that is obviously experiencing those very interesting times that you're talking about as well, Jimmy, because yeah. obviously as an online provider, it's definitely interesting times for us too. Yeah, it certainly is. We were just joking around there before we started to record this about how so many people in the world have this quite poignant time to pause and reflect. And we are super busy because of the nature of our industry. And I'm delighted that we have the opportunity we do. And I'm delighted that 
we are in an industry that can help and support, obviously, um, in these times. So before we get stuck into some of the advice that you have for teachers out there who are you know, finding themselves in their spare rooms and their home offices trying to solve the puzzle of teaching students remotely. What's the situation where you are? You're in Queensland. Are you in isolation? Uh, what's going on over there? Yeah, so I'm currently in isolation in Queensland. I live in Melbourne, but I was over in New Zealand for a little while at our head office. And on returning from that, I decided to go and visit a very good friend of mine who I grew up with in Scotland who lives in Brisbane. So we we grew up together in a very small country town in the west coast of Scotland. And it just so happened a few years back, she met an Australian uh, who was living in Scotland they got married, they moved to Australia, they moved to Brisbane, and I would occasionally fly up to visit her. And she's got a gorgeous one and a half year old daughter and another one on the way. And so I planned to come and visit for a couple of days. And when I arrived, this situation was starting to unfold. And there was discussion about lockdown and isolation. And I was saying, well, this is going to be very interesting. And I wasn't too sure if I, I wanted to go back down to Melbourne where I live on my own and definitely didn't have any toilet paper or canned <laughs> food in the cupboard. <laughs> okay. And my friend said, well, why don't you just stay here? And I said, well, the reality is it could be a few months. And she was very comfortable with that because she enjoys... Uh, my company and having me here, I very much enjoy her company. And there's something about being around children at this time that just makes you very present. It makes you very oh, yeah. present in the moment. It, yeah, there's nothing like the laughter from a child or the smile on a child's face when they're doing something as simple as rolling a ball across a floor that makes you just stop and pause through all of this. Uh, and just enjoy those little moments. And you know, I, I can say that even just a couple of weeks I've been here watching those tiny little milestones and those little changes in my friend's daughter every single day and those moments that maybe we might miss if this wasn't happening right now. That's really quite remarkable. Yeah, it's lovely to hear that. And as a parent myself, I fully agree. I can attest to that being a reality. And everybody I talk to, in fact, about this whole situation, one of the silver linings, um, of course, there are some incredibly negative things going on. But mm. one of the silver linings is that human connections are being recognized as what makes us who we are. You know? Absolutely. So, so stopping and observing a child rolling a ball across the floor and looking at how delightful of an experience it is for them, you know, th that's important to, that's <laughs> to do. It's, yeah. As, again, just as before we were recording, we were chatting about this and, and I was saying to you that although I'm in a very privileged position because I live in a small town, we, we are looking out at the sea where it's a lovely place. I'm very, very fortunate, incredibly fortunate. So I, I can focus on a lot of these positives. And, and I think that uh, if we can, we should. And then we can be in a better position to support and help others. Absolutely. So thinking about educators then, because we work remotely ourselves and we, we're probably used to setting things up at home and communicating online. I know there was a novelty phase, which we all go through in, in this job and, and other remote working jobs, but eventually you settle into it and it becomes normal. But for a lot of the teachers, that is not going to be the case for a while. What kind of advice do you have for them out there? I, I think you've 
touched on it very nicely already, Jimmy, where you talked about human connection. Uh, and that's the biggest thing for me working remotely. And I've been with Education Perfect for just over a year now. And when I started working here, it was very much working remotely. A huge chunk of my time was working from my home office or in the afternoons, I might be out on school visits. Mm. But I came to realize very early on that it was the human connection that actually would help me get through some of those periods of isolation or some of those periods that could actually be quite lonely was ensuring that I found ways to have that connection. And so the biggest thing for me was around how you do that. Uh, And something that we are really good at here at Education Perfect is ensuring that we do lots of video conferencing, lots of video calls, lots of calls to just Mm -hmm. touch base and check in with people that we don't just shoot off an email, that we don't just send a text message or a short couple of line email or, you know, we also use other instant messaging services. Don't just do that. Pick up the phone. But if you can go one step further, pick up a video call and actually see the person because that's a huge part of the human connection. It's not... It's not what people say. It's you know, it's the it's how they say it. It's the tones. It's the gestures. It's the body language. It's the facial expressions. And again, you've already mentioned how we were having a quick chat before this, and Jimmy and I actually did that through video call. And just even seeing Jimmy smile as soon as he answered the video call, immediately it makes me smile. It, it, it lifts up my day. And so even though I might be sitting in my bedroom uh, looking out at a fence. I actually have this huge smile on my face from just having had that small window to see Jimmy and have a, have a conversation with Jimmy face-to-face in a sense. It's kind of funny in a way where I feel like as I was in my early teaching career and just before I left teaching, I think there was this huge trend of self-improvement. There probably still is, but I remember a time where everybody was talking about how meetings are useless and you shouldn't have meetings. And where I tend to agree with that mostly, what I've thought about recently is just what you've described, is that actually a huge value in meetings is not the content or the decisions that are made or the action points that get written down. It's just reminding yourself of who you work with and who they are and what they're like. And like you said, looking at their their facial gestures and and their tone. And I think if nothing else, that's a driving force is just to have that sort of... So I agree. And again, we're talking about teachers at home picking up the phone to talk to each other and students, I presume. And how do you think that will affect the routine of teaching that teachers are used to? It is certainly going to change up things. Um, The routine is, is going to be very, very different. I think when we try and run like a normal school timetable, it can create a lot of challenges. And I know I have friends who I've spoken to who are are still in teaching profession, they're still in in the classroom. And some of them have been told by management that they have to run as they would a normal timetable. So they have a 50-minute lesson where they are expected to be on video conference for that 50 minutes and and to still try and deliver a lesson as they would in a classroom. Wow. And then I have others who have been given free reign and, and told to just try and do what you can do. Uh, and whether that be through emails and documents and online learning management systems, just do your best. And so you've got different ends of that spectrum. And every context, every school, every 
teacher is going to have a slightly different scenario. And so that creates a lot of confusion. It creates a lot of uncertainty. And it makes it very, very difficult to have those check-in points where you stop and think, am I achieving my goals here? Am I doing what I set out to do? And I think that links back nicely to what you were touching on about the idea of meetings is that if we think about meetings as well, often the reason people find or feel that a meeting is not worthwhile or it was a meeting for meeting's sake is often when they don't know what the goal was. They aren't sure of what the goal was. They're not sure if they met the goal. And I think that's the same challenge right now as well as what's the goal? Mm. What are we trying to achieve? Uh, and sometimes there can be a lack of clarity around, well, what's the goal? And should the goal be slightly different now? You know, the context is different. So does trying to work from home and work remotely, should we still be following the exact same structure as what we would in a school? Because are the goals the same? And and so often we kind of lose focus on that goal-orientated and, and solution-focused scenario. Having said that then, would you say that it's vital that there's, um, I mean, we can't really be generic because ever, as you mentioned, there are schools in complete different situations and teachers have their own specific scenarios. But as a general kind of point, I guess it's important that teachers start their week with some kind of organization that's collegial so that they are setting up some form of agreement around, well, what's everybody doing? Can we align anything? Can we, can we kind of combine efforts in some way to say, okay, well, with our year nines, we're going to try and you know, do this or meet this small goal. So that would help drive your explicit tasks throughout the week, but then have some pragmatic goals, like just about being productive and efficient. Now, the second point there about you know, being an independent worker remotely, mm-hmm. what kind of things do you suggest would be helpful for people to kind of go, okay, if I achieve these practical things in my week, I know that I'm, I'm okay. I'm doing, you know, I'm doing all right. Well, I think, I think first of all, exactly again, as you, you've touched on there, Jimmy, I think you need to know what, what the goal is, first of all. So having that um, collegial approach where we can get together, have a meeting and establish what the team goals are. So if these are our goals for year nine, this is what the overarching goal is. This is what we're trying to achieve. This is our goal for this week. It's very, very difficult to work independently and to set parameters and benchmarks for yourself if you don't know what you're trying to achieve. So I think you're absolutely right. That's that's the first stage. And once you've got that, uh, then you can start to 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 set some guidelines and priorities for yourself. Um, now with those guidelines and priorities, you can then you know, make sure that you establish something that works towards the goal, but also that something that you know that is going to work for you as well and for your own individual context. Because again, for each individual person, you're going to have your own set of circumstances. For some of our teachers right now, they might also be at home with their own children as well, which can throw up a whole other set of challenges. So it's probably once you know what the goals are, thinking about those goals, thinking about your own individual context, and then what's actually achievable. And if you think about those typical acronyms I'm sure most educators have heard of, you know, like SMART goals, what can we make that is actually specific, that's measurable, that's that's attainable, that's realistic, that's timely? You know, it can be all fine and well to go, here's the goal for my year nines, and this is what I personally then need to achieve. But when you work out the steps to achieve that, are they realistic for you? Are they attainable for you right now? Are they specific? Can you measure that? And under the circumstances 
of where we are right now are do the goals need to be shifted around a little bit i think they do i I mean that's very much my my personal opinion but again having transitioned from a very large independent school where i was head of department to then working from home uh, and working for education perfect my goals were very different what i was trying to achieve each day was very different not only from a company perspective But also once I was in that individual context where I was working from home, my own personal individual goals each day were different. And how I set about achieving those, I really needed to think carefully about. And as I said, make them very specific to myself, make them realistic for myself and attainable for myself. And in that early stages, sometimes it was just having one small little goal each day that might have been figure out how to use that video conferencing system really well. Uh, (laughs) Figure out how to use that instant messaging system. And, And in those early days, it was just a case of that's my goal you know i can't worry too much right now about whether my year nines are going to get an a at the end of the term because right now i actually need to figure out how to use this video conferencing tool because if i don't figure that out first then i don't i can't even think about that grade at the end of this term because i'm not going to get there if i can't figure out the tools to get me there and on the point of communication and meetings and you know when when you're trying to get together to set those goals and to discuss them and to agree on them etc i think you touched on a on a very good point there about learning how to use the technology and i feel there's a lot of rhetoric around itemization like this is a good tool that's a good tool this is a great tool use this use that use the other thing but we also have to acknowledge that there are significant numbers of educators out there who would consider themselves to be technological dinosaurs. And I say that with a kind heart because I sometimes I feel like that myself with certain things. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about is what might appear to be very seamless an experience in reality. But when you have a meeting with more than two people online, the dynamics can be problematic because people assume the same type of behavior as they would in person. What kind of advice do you have for people who are for the first time trying to wrangle colleagues onto an online conference? Absolutely. And you're right. I think uh, any kind of meeting, whether it be face-to-face or or whether it be online can bring challenges, but certainly when it's online, you're trying to learn something new, perhaps you're using it for the first time. But I'm a big believer, regardless of whether it's a face-to-face meeting or an online one, I'm a big believer in the concept of pre-contracting. So I actually recently undertook a module from Imperial College London with Dr. R.T. Maney. And one of the things she talks quite strongly about is the idea of pre-contracting. And it's the concept that before any kind of meeting, whether it's face-to-face or whether it's online, that there are very clear parameters around how that meeting is going to operate, anything that you need to do before that meeting, um, what is expected of the participants before and during and perhaps even after that meeting, and that you create the environment for that meeting so that it hopefully runs quite successfully. And so that might be as simple as a few days in advance, sending out your agenda with specific talking points so that everyone knows the topics that you're going to cover. Perhaps included in that are specific people that you would like to talk to a particular point so they know that they are going to be called upon 
to discuss during that meeting. And it could be as well, especially for this context, with some instructions of how to use that particular software that you're going to use. If you're going to use a video conferencing tool a few days beforehand, when you're sending out the agenda, have you sent people the instructions? Have you sent them the instructions of how to log in or how to download that or a couple of quick tips on how to log in and use it for that first time? The more you pre-contract, the more you can set yourself up for success because you won't arrive at that meeting, hopefully. I'm sure it does still happen and we all know it still happens. It's like walking into a class and you can have tried to think of every possible scenario and accounted for it and then the thing you didn't think about will happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, if you do that, then hopefully when you get to that meeting, everyone has their login. Everybody is logged in. Everybody knows the button they need to push to be able to speak or turn on their video. Everyone knows what the agenda is. Everyone knows you know, what point one, point two, point three are. Uh, people know who's taking the notes in the minutes. People know when it's going to be their turn to talk and what points they are talking to so that hopefully you don't have everyone all trying to talk at the same time. You all know that's hard enough when you're in a face-to-face -face meeting, but when you're on something like a video conference and you've got 20 people who all try and talk at the same time, you just usually end up with just some awful computerized buffering type noise where everybody just gets drowned out and it doesn't make for an effective meeting. Yeah, I love that advice. Well said. I think it's super valuable to consider all of these things and facilitate a situation whereby nobody feels like they have to ask what they might consider a silly question absolutely or feel a little bit intimidated by the level of complexity yeah. they're perceiving um, because there wasn't explicit instructions and support guides sent out and i think one of the things i'll add or actually just re-emphasize what you said is having somebody responsible for taking the notes or managing the agenda because if technology does fail, which it often does, people can work on Absolutely. a shared document and it won't be as meaningful because they're not um, looking at each other as we talked about before, but at least it won't be a complete disaster. Definitely. And when you send out the agenda and you have your specific talking points, you can also have those specific roles. It might not be just someone taking the minutes in a shared document so that it is live and you can all still have access, but it might be that actually someone else chairs the meeting so that the person who has perhaps organized the meeting can actually sit back and act more of the facilitator where they're listening to the input and actually being able to really actively listen to it. So you might have someone, one person cheering, you might have someone else uh, doing the note taking and the minutes. You might have someone else who is the kind of other facilitator who ensures that everyone's actually taking part. Uh, one of the things that I do like to do, as I mentioned uh, with the pre-contracting, is actually have specific people to talk to specific points so that everybody contributes. The one thing I really don't enjoy in a meeting is when you get to the end of it and there's multiple people in that meeting who haven't said anything. And they're usually the ones that I really want to hear from. Yes. The ones sitting back quietly are usually the ones that can see the flaw in something and don't want to say it or have something really profound and powerful to say, some sort of insight. And so if you have it set up in advance, hey, I'm going to ask for so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so to talk to this point, you can guarantee that everybody is going to speak at some point. And like you mentioned, Jimmy, you're also hopefully then creating an environment where everybody feels comfortable to talk because everybody has talked. Mm. And then you could also task someone in that meeting with ensuring that happens. Incredible advice there. I think, you know, listening to you, I, I know all of these things are true and yet I rarely experience them. And I think it's just a matter of people taking a step back before organizing a meeting. 
And that's it. Often we have so many things going on and it's no different right now. In fact, there's probably a lot more things going on right now as well and a lot more things to consider. But we're often so busy and so bogged down that we know we have to have a meeting. We know what the point of that meeting is. We organize it. We set the date. We set the time. We might send out a very rough agenda and then we move on to the next thing. (laughs) But if we just take that extra half hour to think about all of these points, we know that we'll set it up as a much more successful meeting. And to make a, to make a comparison for all the educators out there who might be listening to this, it's no different to all those lessons we've done over the years where we've maybe done a quick five-minute plan in our heads and we've run into that class. And especially as you start to work your way up in management and you have so many more things to deal with and there's balls coming at you from every angle and you've had five minutes to plan a lesson because you set aside an hour and then something happened and you didn't get that hour and you run into that class and you know fine well it would have gone so much better had you set aside another half hour or hour to plan it and and meetings are no different absolutely yeah i love that that's a great comparison i think will hit home for for many of the listeners and we've all been there i i know i have some friends that try and tell me that they haven't but we have all been there when we have run into a class thinking oh what am i doing again today and you know what you can build up this experiential expertise whereby you you have a confidence about a a classroom dynamic but as you said it's never going to be as effective as as when you sit down and you be creative and you plan out the lesson considering all of the outcomes that you want and how to achieve them. So I I think that's a wonderful analogy for teachers now at home thinking, oh gosh, how am I going to organize myself, teach remotely? And I guess it's like, well, approach your organization and your collegiality like you would planning a lesson. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's a wonderful way to think of it. And structure. If you think about pre-contracting and think about it with an, an even bigger context, it's just the idea of structure. Once we give structures to something and once we know what that structure is, everything else starts to fall into place. So like we already mentioned about once you know what the overall goals and solution is and you've had that collegial discussion about it, then you've got your overarching structure. You know what you're aiming towards and then you can start to think about well, what's the reality of of that for me and my context and day to day and what's my goal for today and those pieces of the puzzle start to fall into place and it's at a time like this when we feel like structure is lost we just need to create a new structure i feel like not only is that good advice for the current situation i think it transcends the current situation it's Mm. a great um insight into into how we can be more effective when we do hopefully return to some sense of normalcy Chris, I have a few questions that I am asking a lot of people I'm talking to these days for the show. Um, so if you don't mind a few more minutes, can I just set quickly throw some, some quick fire questions at you? Absolutely. Go for it. The first is from the perspective of an educator like yourself, what is your ideal outcome for education from this incredible experience across the world? Oh, wow. I have so many. Um, the first one that comes to my mind uh, is... Actually, I really hope that there is a renewed appreciation for educators. I really hope that there are a lot of people out there who think that teachers do nine till three and that they get 12 weeks holiday a year and it's pretty easy. I really hope that there's a shift in perspective and there's a shift in, in views and opinions of what educators do and that maybe this will help people to see that that we are an important 
cog in society and that there is so much that we do and it's not even just planning lessons that, that actually we're helping shape the next generation. We are helping shape the future and and there are so many facets and complications and complexities to that. Yeah, that's one. That's a great one. I will just add something analogous to that in the sense of supermarket workers. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, in New Zealand here, we're full lockdown. I ventured out to the supermarket by myself, you know, went out. I was. I told the family I'd be back going out to get supplies. It was very dramatic and there was no one on the roads. And at first I thought, oh, this is quite unusual. And But very quickly, going into the town with nobody there, it became very disturbing. <laughs> and I, and I, was, I was queuing up in the underground car park of the supermarket, standing meters apart from everyone else in this long, isolated kind of queue. Everybody spaced out and um, went into the supermarket and just saw all of these workers. And I looked at them in such a new light. And I had to admit to myself, probably like many people in society, I myself as a young person, I remember stocking shelves in a supermarket, I'm sure you do as well. But I, I had to admit to myself, you know, we need to value each other. We need to value people differently, no matter what their job is or what their status is or what their, because now supermarket workers are an essential service and they are literally, they are heroes in our towns and communities because they're doing work that we really, really need them to do. And um, I, I think what you're saying is that when we come out of this, there's going to be this a similar sense of perspective for educators. Yeah. I, and for me, that's not even just about education. So that's why I say that that's one. And, and that was just off the top of my head about education. But for me, I, you know, all the, the kind of really negative impacts that obviously we know there are huge health implications and financial implications to all of this. And if we, if we just set that aside for a moment, one of the things that I really hope for is just more generally and broadly, just a shift in perspective and views, you know, and that's not just around education exactly. As you said, Jimmy, it's also around, you know, all the different things that people in society do. Uh, You know, there are just so many different people and backgrounds and cultures that make up humans and, and who we are. But, you know, also a shift in perspective towards the environment. You know, I can't help but think is, is this also a good thing that we're not jumping on planes everywhere right now or in our cars yeah. going everywhere? And although I know, as I said, that that has negative implications, there's also a bit of me that thinks maybe this will make some of us or hopefully all of us rethink the way we travel. We think the necessity of travel or is it necessary or is it more of a an indulgence or yeah indulgence yeah and i think maybe that's just also my own context living here in australia where we've just come through really horrific bushfire some of the worst bushfires we've ever seen then we had really horrific floods now we've obviously got this crisis which is very much a health crisis you know a virus and we didn't really see this coming and so i look to some of those things and think that maybe yeah maybe this will shift some of us to think more about our environment it's quite poetic in a way thinking about how Many of us are being, I guess, quite literally, we're being forced to stay in our bubble. Mm. And I guess, speaking metaphorically, I can't help it really as, a, as an English teacher, it might make people want to burst their bubble, mm. so to mm. speak, a little bit, because they might have realized that they weren't thinking outside of their bubble enough. It really puts everybody's perspective on mm. the show and, and challenges your 
your ideas about the world. I think it actually loops beautifully back to what we were talking at the beginning. Um, you know, maybe that story narrative, the story arc here, Jimmy, uh, is yeah. you know we were talking about children and how children help you be present. Maybe the the one thing for this is that for a lot of people, we might be focused on on what's important and really start to sort the wheat from the chaff when we think about what is actually important. Mm. And it's it's the human connection, it's the environment, it's these things that are actually fundamentally important to who we are as people. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Okay, next question. Honestly, Chris, thank you so much for your time because I could talk to you for hours, but we better move along. And the next question is a slight shift in tone. I want you to tell me what, if you could pick one object that has helped you be comfortable and productive working from home, what would that object be that you would recommend? Wow. Tough question. That is a tough question. <laughs> that is a very tough question. I feel like it's a cop-out, but I want to see my mobile phone. Yeah, well. And it's purely because of the immediacy that it offers me. The minute I remember something, I pull out my phone and I write down a note or I add it to my calendar or I record a little voice message to myself. I love recording little messages to myself because usually if I'm going somewhere, so, so, you know, with this current situation, I'm trying to go for a walk each night around the block just so that, you know, I leave the house. This is ordinarily what I would have done before this anyway. If I was working from home and I had a long day at home, I would then go for a walk in the evening clean my head and just get outside a little bit. And I would have my headphones in because I'd be listening to a podcast or an audio book or some music. And whenever a a thought sparked in my mind, I would just pause, open the recording app on my phone and record whatever it was, whether that might be something that I wanted to talk about in a meeting, whether it be um, an email that actually I need to send to someone, whether it be actually, sometimes it might even just be something I was grateful for. And it might just be to make me stop for a minute and pause and think, you know, I was really grateful for Jimmy for taking the time to do that thing for me the other day. I should make a point of sending him a little message to say that. <laughs> and I'll just and I'll just record it so that I remember. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like in terms of productivity, having the phone there, having that immediacy to be able to just pull out, record a little note to myself. Mm. Yeah, it makes me a lot more efficient. I have to say thank you for saying something positive about smartphones Mm. because there is a lot of vitriol that is flung in the direction of that technology and it is an incredible technology, but everything you've just described, I feel is a very healthy way to to look at at the tool. Well, again, structure, it's it's about, it's about how you use it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I deliberately don't have game apps on my phone. I don't have social media on my phone. The only thing really that I have are, like I said, like notes, voice recordings, audio books, podcasts, things that I feel positively add value to my life so that my phone isn't a distraction. It's actually a value. Well done. Uh, that's, uh, that's advice I really need to heed myself. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, the next question, it's a kind of a two-part question. First part is, what have you watched or are watching that you would highly recommend for people in lockdown? Oh, wow. Uh, I am actually now addicted to a reality TV show. I did not ever think that I would be the kind of person who would watch (laughs) reality TV, but I find it fascinating from a psychological perspective. I'm watching a show called The Circle. Ah. 
Yeah, so it's essentially a cross between a reality TV show such as uh, one where everybody is in a house together. I won't say the name because I don't know if I'm allowed to, but uh, instead of all being in a house together, they're in separate apartments in an apartment block where they can't see each other or meet each other, but they can only communicate through social media, which yeah. is called uh, The Circle. Oh, I don't know why I'm not mentioning the other show. I've just mentioned that one. Anyway, um, but they can only communicate through this. And it is just a fascinating insight to the way people use social media, the way people think about social media, but also the way people connect and interact through that social media. And I think um, there's a lot of younger people in the show, younger than me, certainly. And it's amazing listening to the way they then talk about the other participants once they've communicated through social media for a few days and they've never actually met them face to face. Wow. They genuinely feel real bonds and connections to each other, even though they've only ever text messaged, essentially. And so I just find it absolutely fascinating, very much from a, a fly on a wall perspective, just watching how they interact with each other. Uh, and maybe for me, that's because I don't really use social media. And it's something I, was, I think I maybe just kind of missed. Uh, kind of was happening around me and I never really got into it. Yeah, so it's interesting, and it makes me then think about other things like you know the next generations coming through who don't know life without social media, whereas I very much remember life without it and grew up without it. Fascinating. That show sounds like it was made for the times we're in right now. Mm, it's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Okay, and the last question is, what is your working from home or teaching from home suggested soundtrack? Now, it depends what mood I'm in. I tend to just put on suggested playlists on Spotify. So I, I find a song that I like and then I go to the song radio and let it do its thing because I find new songs that way, which I really like. Yeah. But yeah, it depends on my mood. In the morning, I tend to have quite slow, gentle, acoustic pop on. Uh, and then in the afternoon, I actually put on more high energy, kind of high vibration stuff. So lots of, um, this is actually me living back to my youth, I think. A lot of um, like dance and club soundtrack. <laughs> cool. And I think it just makes me feel really energized about the fact yeah. that my, I'm in the afternoon, you know, we're nearly there, the, the day's kind of almost over, I'm pumped for the, the rest of the day. And then, yeah, when I finish my day, I go out for a, a walk or a run and I'm, I'm still feeling quite energized. But yeah, it helps me because sometimes I have that afternoon lull. So it just stops me from having that afternoon lull as I, as I yeah. sit at my desk in my bedroom, dancing away like I'm 20 in a nightclub again. <laughs> well, if that doesn't cure anybody's uh, cabin fever, I don't know. <laughs> and this is the other thing I think I learned very early on working from home is no one can see you. There's nothing to feel embarrassed about. If I end up sitting here listening to some dance music and dancing away in my chair and singing along to songs and it makes me happy, then why not? Here, here. Couldn't agree more. Well, Chris, this has been a joy. Thank you so much for sharing all of your thoughts and, and advice and, and guidelines. I, I think that the listeners are going to get a great deal out of this, this episode. Is there anywhere you would direct any teachers who might specifically want to contact you? I probably just my email because I'm so bad on social media. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> but if anyone does want to contact me directly, it is just chris.higgins, so H-I-G-G-I-N-S 
at educationperfect.com. I keep promising myself I will get better at social media. Maybe, maybe one day. I'm not so sure that you you need to, but I think every, <laughs> the world would be a better place if they had more of Chris Higgins out there. So thanks again for the chat. No, thank you. And just to reinforce some of that as well thank you to you as well for taking the time to create this podcast and sit down and have a conversation it's been really lovely for me as well jimmy so thank you oh thank you for saying that okay thanks go well be safe and i, I will be chatting to you i'm sure on a regular basis <laughs> bye thanks jimmy hello jimmy here again i want to thank you for listening to the show Please do subscribe to the podcast on your podcast service of choice. And we would really appreciate it if you could share this with your friends and colleagues who may find it interesting. We are also very keen to hear your thoughts, opinions, questions, comments. And if you would like to suggest guests who we might interview in the future, we would really appreciate that kind of input. So thank you in advance. Thank you also to the wonderful Paula Prouse for producing and Yasmin Nowak for the amazing editing. Until next time, stay happy and keep learning.